Hi, everybody. Coming to you entirely pre-recorded from the Garage of Solitude in New York, New York. I'm Mario Francisco Robles. And coming entirely pre-recorded from my home bat office in Long Island, New York. I'm Brett Miro, and this is episode 164 of the Fanboy Podcast. Yes, everybody. Listen, sorry for the little unannounced hiatus we took these last two weeks. Things got a little hectic, and uh, in fact... One of our co-hosts, well, one of us has celebrated a certain major life milestone. Why don't you clue people in on what's happened to you, Brett? In the world? yes, so if you're not watching the video version, where you can see I have this fun <laughs> shirt that my cousin got me, husband level unlocked. I got married uh, Saturday, October first, um, yes. to to Jesse, who I've talked about on the show many times, and uh, Mario was our DJ, as you would <laughs> expect. I would I would hope. I mean uh, that he's my DJ. <laughs> And uh, we had the most wonderful time. It was literally like the best day of our lives. Like it was just a fantastic day through and through. Um, Mario was amazing. We got so many compliments on the music and uh, just on the wedding in general and how it flowed and how everything Dude. went. And um, yeah. yeah, we we survived some inclement weather because we did get um, unfortunately yeah, thanks, hurricane, hurricane Ian. Yeah, Hurricane yeah. Ian. Thanks a lot. A guy named Ian ruined my wedding. No, he didn't ruin it. Yeah. So, uh, but he came in, uh, hit Florida. Unfortunately, we we lost a few guests because of that. No, no one got harmed. Yeah, or anything, no one died people, for the record. No one died. Flights got canceled. Flights yeah. got canceled. Some people couldn't make it, so that was a bummer. And then it kind of brought a bunch of rain and clouds. Um, so we did have to have our ceremony indoors instead of outdoors, which is what we wanted. But um, actually, the indoors ended up being really beautiful and intimate. And then uh, by some miracle from the universe, uh, as soon as the ceremony ended, all the rain stopped and it held out all the way uh, until the end of the wedding. So we were able to actually utilize all the space at our venue. They have a really nice yeah. outside on the on the on the South Shore of Long Island, looking out at the open bay, and uh, we were able to actually mansion. spread out. Yeah. yeah. So when you finally, when the sun came out, you got to enjoy that amazing view. That was. Uh, yeah. That was so we got a awesome. little bit of sun, and then it stayed kind of overcast, but it it, uh, it was just great, and we were still able to use the outside, and we we're able to get a bunch of great pictures outside that we wouldn't have been able to get if it was still pouring. So really, overall, it just worked out perfect, and it was uh, it was an incredible day. And uh, yeah. yeah, now now I'm now married, yeah. and I got a ring, and all that fun stuff. <laughs> You're married. It was it was so fun playing your wedding, man throwing in little things just to try to like pop you try to crack you yes. up like early on like during the ceremony i don't know if you noticed like during the pre-ceremony i snuck in the great fairy fountain music yes. from ocarina of time and i played like an orchestral version of like a super mario brothers medley and little things like that before the ceremony just to kind of yes. personalize things and it was funny yeah, i caught it a lot of other people did they were texting me they were like oh and i was and it was always <laughs> awesome because like probably most people went over their heads but you know, yeah. people that were, you know, close uh, to me noticed and uh, it was it was fun, but it, yeah. it fit perfectly. No one knew. <laughs> it was any of the wise. Nobody knew. Great. Yeah. But that was a pretty damn special day. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of it. Uh, thank you for. And now extra special. We got some extra special geeky topics to get into. So real, oh, real sure quick, right up here, right up front. Let me just ask you, Brett, what have you been watching and playing of late? Oh my god! Oh my god! So many things. All right. So, uh, I, yeah, I've I've consumed a decent amount of uh, of stuff. So, um, I have been watching on Hulu the show The Patient with Steve Carell and Dom Hall Dom Hall Gleason, mm. uh, which has been very interesting. They're half hour episodes. 
uh, quick premise background. Um, Steve Carell is a psychiatrist that is like also kind of getting over, um, uh, I believe his wife passing away. And then uh, one of his clients ends up kidnapping him and turns out to be a serial killer and has him chained in his basement and is making him try to like make him stop being a serial killer. And it's very interesting. Uh, it's got that little psychological you know, thread to it, but they're, they're quick episodes and they, they, they leave you off in a good place at the end of each one. So that season's about like episode five or six. It's not done yet. So uh, I'm all caught up on it, but I've been enjoying it. Um, I'm going to go through really quick because there's a lot of stuff. She-Hulk, um, I guess we could talk about that now really quick. So spoilers if you didn't watch this week's She-Hulk yet. Um, but we kind of knew from the trailer or unless you were like, you know, completely trying to stay away on the rock. Matt Murdock is back. Charlie Cox is back as Daredevil. And uh, finally, this week's episode, we got to see him in action. And um, they they did an upgrade to the suit. They gave him the uh, the yellow and red suit, which is like yeah. a throwback. So it, it looks very similar to the Netflix suit, but just yeah. you know now um you know the main chest part is red, and uh you know and then there's probably some little red accents, but then it's all yellow on the sleeves, the helmet, and the legs. Um, it, it's interesting looking. I still kind of like I think the red one, that the red and black one the that they had from yeah. Netflix. But it, it's kind of a cool little little nod. Um, you know, they, they did a little, a couple of little homages. There is kind of like a hallway fight scene, though nowhere near as thrilling as the one on, you know, the first season of Netflix. Um, yeah. but you know, very cool. Um, Charlie Cox, uh, and, and, uh, chemistry with Tatiana Maslany, um, was, uh, I mean like top notch. So it was kind of worth it just for that. But, um, certainly at least in this, I don't know how it's going to be in the new daredevil series, but it, it's a definitely a little bit less broody more light yeah I, I, um, yeah as you know i'm not watching the show but i did see like a clip of like their rooftop fight thing so yeah. i did get a sense for how he's being handled and yeah he's definitely a little more like cheeky and like with the one-liners and things are a little more quippy yeah. and light a little more marvel right yeah but um, then like the brooding you know, a, but, you know, dark Avenger that he was. Yeah. But he's such a good actor and, um, he really kind of like makes the adjustment well, but still feels kind of like his daredevil. Um, you know, I think it's more like the tone of the show. We'll see how the daredevil series pans out. Maybe that'll go a little, a little darker. I don't expect it to go where the Netflix series went, but I think that could get a little more, a little more street level, a little more serious. But like I said, uh, Tatiana Maslany is so charming. Charlie Cox is very charming and they were great together as she Hulk and daredevil. Um, so I really, I've been enjoying that show. It's actually, um, each episode, it's like climbing towards like one of my like top Marvel shows. Um, I know a lot of them, I, I've been iffy on some of them and that's how kind of most people are, they feel. But, uh, yeah, this is, this is definitely near the top for me. Um, because wow. okay. it, it, it knows what it is and it executes it really well. And, um, it's just fun and it, it doesn't it's only like it's a half welcome. hour, right? It's only half hour. Just yeah. does not overstay its welcome, and there is like an overarching story, but it's mostly like a like it's really like a like a case of the week, almost like a Law and Order thing. Like here's oh, the like case a of the week. It's yeah. a procedural. It is. Um. So yeah, there's something about it. It kind of holds its own, and I really enjoy it. Um. I've also been watching Andor. Uh, I'm not completely caught up on that, but I'm watching that on Disney Plus. I'm really enjoying the show so far. Um, you know, a lot of people, Star Wars fans can't make up their mind. You know, if it's too much like Star Wars, oh, it's the same thing. You're just recycling it. Like, you know, a la The Force Awakens, everyone gets mad at that. Then they try to do something different and everyone gets, oh, it doesn't feel like Star Wars. It feels like Star Wars, but it's it's definitely a much darker, more mature story. It's probably the most dark, more, most mature Star Wars, I think, that has been made to, to date. Um, even, even comparing it to like the first season of Mandalorian, which was a little, a little heavier, like this yeah. first, the first episode was like, Oh, Whoa, like we, we are taking this a little, a little 
detour uh, yeah. to mature mature avenue. I don't know. Yeah, that was the worst. I actually did see the first episode, so yeah, I'm gonna mention that when it's my turn. But yeah, I'm cool. So so I'm watching Andor. Um, I'm enjoying that so far. I'm only about. I think I just finished the third episode, so I still need. I need to catch up. There's like two more that I haven't watched yet, but I'm liking it so far. I like uh, you know, the side of Star Wars that we're seeing, and the show looks really good. Um, visually yeah. is uh, and you know, the music's got a different quality to it. It's not the John Williams bouncy you know stuff it's a little more like a drama i don't know like how to explain it it's, yeah it feels like more like a drama you would see on tv um but just in the backdrop of star wars but it still has weird aliens it still has all like the recognizable star wars things but it's just very different in tone um even from like rogue one it, it feels a little like more dark darker and like insular um yeah. so i'm watching that uh video game wise i uh i started playing ghost of tsushima uh on playstation uh, 5 i got the um I canceled my Xbox Game Pass subscription for the time being because, like, I really wasn't playing stuff on it. I'm paying, like, $25 a month. So I took a break on that. But PlayStation has, like, this new expanded uh, thing, like PlayStation Plus Extra. And so for me, it was, like, I already paid, like, my 60 or whatever something dollars for the year for my PlayStation Plus. So it was, like, you can get a prorated just $30 more for the rest of the year to get the you know, PlayStation plus extra yeah. catalog. So I said, okay, sure. Cool. And it had ghost of Tsushima and a couple other games. So I'm like for 30 more bucks, I'm going to get to play like three or four, like $70 games that like, I might not have bought because I wasn't sure if I'm going to like them or not. And uh, so I've been playing that. That game's awesome. Feudal, uh, feudal Japan uh, against the Mongols. And you're like uh, a, like a soul samurai that like survives this crazy Mongol attack. And you're going mm. back to like, just reclaim your honor. And it's, uh, you know, very, um, uh, I, I don't know the guy, but it's it, it, it's a throwback to like those old school like Japanese movies, like the uh, Kur- oh, Kurosawa. Yeah, 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 yeah. like uh, yeah, that's what it is. I couldn't think of his name for a second. The Kurosawa films, and uh, yeah. yeah, man, it, it's it's beautiful, and um, I love just Japan and the way that country looks and the traditions yeah. and all the samurai stuff. So that's been cool. I'm, I'm very early on, but uh, that's been fun. You know, typical open world games, not doing anything crazy, but the setting is awesome, and I'm enjoying the story so far. It's like a cool revenge tale uh holy moly i went through so many things there's like something else too that i just watched also and i can't remember it now um but i I feel like i said so many things guys so i'm gonna mario i'm gonna let you take it away because yeah i watched too much (laughs) well i i haven't watched nearly as much as brett has but uh yeah in terms of my viewing habits my big thing has been house of the dragon uh i am fully caught up as of this week's episode of house of the dragon I'm still very, very much loving this spinoff of Game of Thrones. I'm very proud of the the creative team behind this and the confidence they have to kind of make a show that stands on its own. Because sometimes when you have a sequel or a spinoff, there's a tendency with a with a very important IP like this to like lean on nostalgia and rehash what already worked and you know play up the familiar. But House of the Dragon so far feels like it's sort of forging a new path for Game of Thrones. It's telling a tone, uh, telling a story that really kind of is unfolding in its own unique way. They've got the confidence to do a nice slow burn and make you kind of figure things out and read between the tea leaves. And uh, just all in all, I'm loving the shorthanded direction, the great writing, and the very, very strong acting that I'm seeing on that show. So House of the Dragon continues to impress then I'm, I did check out the first episode of Andor, and uh, yeah, I'm with you. It feels like a breath of fresh air. It feels kind of like what I've been talking about for years, like the promise of the new 
ownership of Lucasfilm ever since Disney bought Star Wars. For me, the promise of that purchase wasn't just necessarily going to be the sequel trilogy that brought back Luke and Han and Leia and all the stuff that was initially announced and sort of the nostalgia mining they were going to be doing. The thing that excited me was getting to explore all new corners of this galaxy that George Lucas created. You know, He created this amazing, huge sandbox for filmmakers and creative types to play in. And I was, I've been waiting for years, looking forward to see people like really kind of expand outward and cover, you know, corners of this universe that we've never seen before. Yep. And I've always kind of complained about how everything has kind of leaned on some side of some kind of nostalgia so far, whether it's the sequel trilogy. And then even with Mandalorian, I was surprised. I loved how on its own it seemed at first. But then as soon as when they got into the Luke and the stuff, I started realizing like, oh, this is still kind of playing off of the Skywalker saga and relying on some of your love and nostalgia for that. So that felt a little less new and different after a while, but Andor feels like a different genre. It feels like a different yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Like if Mandalorian was playing up that space Western vibe that Lucas really used a lot in a new hope. Um, Andor feels like a, like a espionage thriller. You know, like a it's, war it's, movie almost. Yeah, like, it feels it's, like it's, it's got much that, like, grittier. Yeah. It's much more just like street level. And I've always been a, a Diego Luna fan. I actually had the pleasure of interviewing him a few years back when he directed that Cesar Cesar Chavez movie. And he's just a very like just a genuine, sweet, talented, passionate guy. So I've always kind of rooted for him. I loved Narcos Mexico, which if you've never seen that, you really should. Uh, but Diego Luna is high on my list. So to see him sort of shining on this big stage, front and centaur, centaur, center. <laughs> and he's also a centaur. <laughs> and he's a centaur. Check him uh, out his new him show. Front. Yeah. Centaur. <laughs> You've heard of Andor, now the sequel. Anyway, um, so yes, uh, just through one episode, I was very impressed with the promise of the show and where things are going. And I am intending to kind of marathon through and catch up to everyone else. But just, you know, I, I, I put a lot of stock in the first episode because to me, that's your chance to sell the audience on the show. This is your pitch. This is your chance to show the world. This is what this show is going to be. And these are the characters and these are the dynamics. And this is how the story unfolds. What do you think? And as a first episode, Andor did it for me. Yeah. Uh, in terms of my, oh, and I am slowly making my way towards catching up and finally finishing Better Call Saul. Uh, you know, after that little hiatus, the, uh, the the second half of that final season has been out for a few months now. And Kristen and I finally checked out the first two episodes of that. I think we only have like nice. three or four left. We're kind of trying to milk it because we don't want it to be over. We love these characters. Yeah. We love this world. So it's like the idea of like, oh, no, this is it. There's no more Breaking Bad universe <laughs> stuff after these next three episodes. Ah, So we're kind of milking it. But, uh, yeah, still very much love that show. In terms of what I am playing, I am still making my way through Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It's a very long, very crazy game. I mean, I know I brought this up before, the sort of change in genre that's occurred in Assassin's Creed over the years. But this one being an action RPG really kind of throws me for a loop because there's just so much to do. You know, you go to that menu and there's like a quest log and there's like 20 different 
quests that I'm on at any given time that I could decide to track. And there's yep. all these you know, <laughs> ability trees and skill trees and a, and there's a whole subplot of hunting down and killing certain targets. Like I feel like I'm gonna be I'm gonna have to dump like a hundred hours into that game to really yeah. even do any of it. It's so, funny um, too because I know you you so you didn't this is your first of the new style of Assassin's yes. Creed games. Yeah, you I didn't went from play Black Origins Flag. or Odyssey. Yeah, I went from Black Flag to this. So just fun jump. fun little little thing here. Valhalla is much and you're you're saying it's a lot, but it's actually much more streamlined from Origins oh, than Odyssey because Origins and Odyssey were like fucking bloated, you know, yeah. and like they, they were still figuring out. I think the RPG. So Valhalla yeah. is actually a little bit scaled back, especially on the loot front. Uh, Origins and oh, Odyssey, wow. you would be picking up new loot every two seconds, and you were just buried in the menus, like, oh, do I equip this? Should I take <laughs> this away? Oh, the numbers are up on this options. one. Like you were just. It was yeah. way too much time in the menu. So Valhalla actually yeah. is a lot less loot, which is, is a good thing. But I'm like, if you were overwhelmed by that, if you played it, well, Odyssey, you would have been like, Jesus yeah. Christ. See, These games are, are way too RPGs. fucking bloated. Yeah. People They're too fucking bloated now. People get me to like Skyrim and Fallout and all these yeah. ones. And I'm like, no, I, I'm not cut out for that. I don't beat I'm them the now. Person. Yeah. But I, I'm the guy I play like a hundred something hours and I stop. <laughs> yeah. I like to get like do as much as possible. But in a yeah. game where there's like a thousand things to do, that's very dangerous because I, yeah. I go down this rabbit hole where I'll spend like three hours trying to max out one thing and I haven't yep. even done anything of value. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so that's what I've been playing. Uh, I also have been making my way through a another playthrough of one of my all-time favorites, which is Red Dead Redemption 2. I have been right. playing that a little with my kids watching and with actually with my mom watching. She's into Westerns and stuff, and I told her the story in the game is really good. So yeah. she, like, watches it like it's a movie when she comes and visits. I play Red Dead. It's funny. It looks like but one. So. <laughs> it does. It does. And we just, yeah, I just played through the missions on Guarma and that whole crazy scene. Yeah. Uh, whatever. It's just, it's such an amazing game. It's a masterful work of art, that game. So, True. yeah, I've, uh, I always look for reasons to play it, and now I'm playing through it again, and I never, ever regret. But uh, okay, that's what I've been watching. That's what I've been playing. And now let's talk about this week's Superman on film update. So there's a couple different things, a couple different ways to go with it. But I don't want to like flat out spoil anything. I'm going to allude to some things. I'm going to reference some things. But I'm going to be careful to not like directly state what happens. Yes. But uh all I'm going to I'm going to start by saying this. If you love Superman and uh, him being on film, then uh, you should really uh, enjoy this Black Adam movie that's coming out soon. Yeah, sure. uh, and l let's just talk about Black Adam for a second, because during this little two week, three week hiatus we've been on now, uh, there was a a legacy trailer that came out for Black Adam. How much did you actually get a chance to see that? Yes, yes. The one that opens up. So I, I think it's interesting because we've had this conversation here about where does Black Adam sit in the DCEU and all that kind of stuff. Right? We've, had, we, we've kind of kicked that topic around a lot. Well, this legacy trailer unequivocally tells you where this is set. And it's rather comfortably in the DCEU, in the currently existing DC cinematic landscape. The thing opens up. With shots of Ben Affleck's Batman, you know, like the the, the symbol, with uh, Wonder Woman, and with a close up of Henry Cavill's Superman chest. 
And it's all this thing about like, you know, you've heard of the age of heroes, but now here's a villain, you know. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and the Amanda, well, oh, wait, I think we did talk about this on the last time. Am I, am I making that up? We talked about... Uh... Amanda Waller. I forgot if this trailer was out. We did talk about the Amanda Waller thing. Yeah. Wasn't it in another trailer? Yeah, this, she, well, yeah, that's right. She was in another trailer. Yeah. yeah. So this one. This though, is yet another even one. <laughs> further into yeah. saying like this is very much connected to the stuff that's come before it, which yep, I yep. think is very, very interesting, uh, yep. especially because, uh, yeah, you know, let's just address that rumor from last month that there might be a mid credit sequence that might include a certain big blue boy scout uh well listen mm. you know uh be careful if you're on twitter or on the interwebs of any kind because the film has begun to screen and uh whether or not those rumors are valid that's now uh becoming <clears throat> yeah. confirmed so uh yes tread carefully out on the interwebs but if you recall the possibility of a rumor of of certain someone showing sh showing up, uh, just beware on the interwebs there. Yeah, and, I'm, and, and look at the, the the beaming smile that I've got because of this thing. Um, I feel like if you listen to this show, you're probably <laughs> have seen this already or, or are very aware. But yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. for the for those of you that you know are trying to really keep the the only thing I, is <laughs> I, I'm not going to say what apparently happens, but I will talk about the fact that. Remember, we were talking about the, the music that they might use to accentuate yes, this yes. character mm -hmm. and whether or not it's going to be uh, the, the, the newer version of that theme or the classic version of that theme. Uh, it seems like as of now, it's the classic version, and that's creating a little bit of controversy. I know we've discussed how we feel it's a bit of a mismatch that, you know, to play this one from 44 years ago with uh, a newer incarnation of the character is just a little bit confusing and it causes like a little bit of a cognitive dissonance because I'm going to see one iteration of the character, but hear the music that reminds me of another. So, you know, that part, I I'm curious if that's going to make it to the final cut. Because if you recall, there was that thing a couple weeks ago where there was a Black Adam trailer that, if you can believe it, had the balls as it was in that legacy trailer had the balls to use a one second shot from the joss whedon version yes. of justice league <laughs> and the internet lost its mind to the point where dwayne very angry johnson responded <laughs> dwayne johnson they pulled the trailer down re-edited it and they replaced the Justice League shot with like not something from Zack Snyder's Justice League or something more like that, but they just took like a generic shot from Black Adam itself and just right. used that instead of what, what I think what was a Steppenwolf shot from the Justice League version of Justice League. Right. And uh, so I wonder, since there does seem to be a little bit of an online uproar about this classic theme being used instead of the newer one. I wonder if maybe by the time it reaches theaters, they maybe switch the songs. You know, we'll yeah. see. It's not it's that just, hard to do. And it's just weird because, like we were saying, um, you know, there's a certain version <laughs> of this character showing up. And they've kind of 
with the legacy trailer have said that this is connected to the wider DCEU. Yeah. So why I was curious why that music is not being used. Yeah. So there still seems to be some confusion yeah, over there for like what's going on. <laughs> and, and even still, too, I, I should hedge all of this by saying things change sometimes, too. So yeah. not only might that aspect change, but who knows, that scene might not happen. You know, I remember when Justice League was coming out during the first rounds of screenings, they only showed one of those post-credit sequences. They only had the Flash and Superman race. That's right. There was That's nothing right. there about Legion of Doom. And whatever, and then like with the premiere, they finally you know released it with the final what they wanted to be there. So right. who knows if there's maybe more or if they're going to change their mind after gauging the reaction? You know, I don't think they're gonna. I think it's creating only positive waves. But uh, but I feel like yeah, I feel like just take all this with that sort of thing in mind. That like yes, this is attached to it now, but they've changed stuff in the past. So let's see what happens by the time Black Adam makes its way into theaters on October the 21st. But you know what excites me? Do you hear that, Brett? Do you hear that? It's, what is it? What could it be? It's positive buzz for a DC movie. <laughs> I know. It's incredible. Black Adam right now. It's uh, for the first time in a little bit. Not because there hasn't been a good DC movie. You know, but there was Batman yeah. back in February. And then before that, you know, a year and a half before that, we had Joker. You know, there have been good... Well, yeah, we, we, we're on a pretty good winning streak, but since it happens so like, you know, sporadically, you know, it, it's hard to get any kind of momentum. going. You're, we're always hearing about Marvel. We're always hearing about all the success of some of these other big franchises. But DC, you know, when you when, when there's positive buzz and there's people talking about the movie coming out, that's it's special. You know, what and timeline are we in? What timeline yeah, are we in? <laughs> and, you know, it's almost as if the balance of power in the DC hierarchy is about to change. <laughs> about to change. <laughs> you know, it, I just have this weird hunch. But, yeah. uh, you know, he's, by the way, we got to talk about uh, Dwayne and all this stuff because he's really pulling out all the stops. I don't know yeah. if you've seen, it's like this international tour. It reminds me kind of like of what Tom Cruise does whenever he's promoting a new Mission Impossible movie where he's flying to like every major city yeah. around the world doing these massive press junkets and public you know, displays and doing all this stuff to try to rev up enthusiasm for his movie. So you got Dwayne Johnson, one of the few real international box office movie stars that exist in the world anymore. Yep. Uh, and you've got him basically globetrotting, promoting this movie. He really wants this thing to hit, and I hope it does. But let's talk a little bit, too, about like what that means, what, what, the, what that would have to look like. Because there are currently some box office expectations that have been put out there by the pundits, by the box office analysts. And uh, right now, the early word on the street is that domestically, Black Adam is looking to open at around 70 to 75 million bucks. And when I hear that, I feel like that's a little on the low side. All right. This film mm -hmm. may not have cost like Batman versus Superman, you know, 250 million or the almost like 300 something million they, they blew on Justice League. It's apparently somewhere between 185 and 200 mil. So it's not as expensive, but it is pretty pricey. You know, Shazam was made for under 100. Uh, right. I believe Wonder Woman was made for like 115 or something like that. You know, this one being up in that 200 million dollar range means that it's going to have to 
you know, move some considerable coin. He's got, it's going to have to make some real money to sure. be a runaway hit. But at the same time, I think these projections are way off. Personally, I think it's going to be more like what Venom did, where Venom, I think, opened in the upper 80s or lower 90s or something along those lines. And possibly even, it might even, imagine it pulls like a Wonder Woman, where they thought it was going to do like 75 and it opened up to like 108 or something like that. I'm sure that's what Dwayne Johnson's hoping for. A big, crazy overperformance. As I, things I think stand, he has the power, you know? Like, yeah. he... He has the because he's gonna put uh, asses in those seats that just come to oh the rocks in a new movie. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people that will just go see a movie because the rock is in it with no investment in the franchise or whatever yeah. it is. And you know, like you said, this is he's he's also co-producing this with Seven Bucks Productions. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's why he's pulling out all the stops because I think he this is this is the start of a new this franchise for him. Yeah, and a big. This deal isn't stuff. just like he was hired to be you know just the star right. of some existing project. He like built this whole thing from the exactly. ground up. He's exactly. like you know, so he's very very invested. And uh, I, I, although I have to say, if it opens to seventy or seventy five, I think that's going to be uh, kind of a bummer. So mm -hmm. let's hope that it, it exceeds that. I think it's going to. I think it easily I think it'll hit 100. Is 85. I think it's going to be closer to 100. And I think it'll have legs, but we'll see. You know, the uh, the trailers, I think, are doing a great job of promoting it thus far as something that's kind of different. It definitely doesn't look like a Marvel movie. It definitely doesn't look like any of the DC stuff we've seen of late. It has, you know, the, the marketing, I think, has been pretty strong of, of – you know, showing what it's like to now have this anti-hero at the center of the story. And you have the ancient Egyptian trappings, uh, a hero few whose power comes from rage. You have the Justice Society, which we've never seen before. You know, there's a lot of like newness to this. Not to mention there isn't another Black Adam that's already existed that people are going to compare this one to. There's no right. pre-existing expectations or comparisons to worry about. All anyone is going on here is, are the trailers good? And I think the trailers have done a pretty damn good job. Aside from, you know, some shoddy CG every now and again, which can be fixed and maybe in the moment doesn't look as bad uh, in, you know, in its proper context. Uh, right. But all in all, I think, uh, I think, I think Dwayne's got a, a hit on his hands here. And uh, here's hoping, here's hoping that this you know, really kind of kicks open a whole new era of prosperity for DC on film, because really if this hits, and this leads into a nice, you know, this momentum carries over into Shazam, which is set in the same world. And that momentum carries over into The Flash, which is set in the same world, which that carries over into Aquaman. Like this next year and a half, us yeah. DC fans are going to be eating really, really good. You know? Yeah. So here's hoping. I'm going to be there, uh, if not opening weekend, because I'm working, I'm slammed with weddings, man. Uh, but I'm going to see it that first week for sure. Uh, I don't know if you saw, by the way, that, that there's an interesting spot too, just in terms of how they're marketing this movie that I wanted to point out too, is there's one, I don't know if you've seen it, that like, it almost makes it look like a Justice Society movie. Like there's one trailer that came out where you don't see Black Adam at first. You see Justice Society characters like whoever, you know, Dr. Fate and Hawkman right. and they're more or less talking about like what it takes to be a hero and that heroes don't kill and then Black Adam is the first time we, yeah. we see him on screen he's like well I do and it kind of but it almost, almost makes it seem like he's 
a possible member to the team and they're trying to straighten him out a little bit. Like it, it sold the narrative in a different way than some of the other right, trailers. Right. You know? So I feel like they're covering a lot of their bases. You know, if you want to see just a badass action movie, there's trailers that emphasize that. If you want to see like, Oh, justice society, if you're like an old school DC fan and you want to see this team you've never seen before, you could view it as, Ooh, this is a justice society movie. You know, if you're someone who uh, wants to see Black Adam and Shazam and you're into that, you're going to see it for that. You know, I feel like there's lots of different ways they're marketing this thing. And I think yeah, there's a ton of trailers. They all have a different tone, a different yeah. message to get across. And uh, yeah, you can see this and that marketing budget is definitely up there because like I have seen just I see a lot of Black Adam everywhere. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So either way, Black Adam and that cameo at the end. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. That will suffice as your Superman on film update for the week. But now we have to move on. We're going to leave DC temporarily. We're going to leave comic books temporarily because we have to talk about a trailer that means a lot to us. Yes. Yes. On Thursday, we, the world, got our first look at the Super Mario Brothers movie. And uh, Brett, I'm going to let you start us off. What did you think of our first look teaser for Super Mar- for the Super Mario Brothers movie? Yeah, so I am a lifelong Nintendo fan, Mario fan. Um, I, I mean, if you watch the show or listen to anything I've ever been on, you know that you know this. Um, I am absolutely over the moon uh, about that trailer. I thought it was an awesome first look. I think it looks. Visually, it looks stunning. I love the way, and you know, listen, things are a little tweaked. Some characters look a little different. There's going to be a little bit of an adjustment getting used to, but overall, I love what they're doing. I, I think, um, just like the visual, like clarity, the fidelity of it, like everything about it is is perfect. Like when you know, two days, uh, you know, a day or two days prior to the trailer, they released like the first like a uh, like a movie poster. And yeah. just from that, I was like, oh my God, they nailed it. I love this. And yeah, that's the wallpaper on my phone, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's on the background of my computer right now. Um and uh yeah and then actually seeing it in motion. Um yeah. I thought it was a really strong choice to open the trailer with Bowser. And uh I I yeah I don't know I, I love I love the voices um yeah i mean i want to hear a little bit what you think first i have i have a lot of other things to say about this yeah i'm i'm i think they nailed it yeah so let's go through it let's go through it man because when it first started too i was a little nervous i'm like and this is more just a general concern even before i saw the trailer i'm like how are they since it's animated right they're not doing like the live action hybrid that sonic was so i'm like since it's entirely animated and it's not hand-drawn it's digital animation i'm like they better pull out all the stops to make sure this doesn't just feel like one long cutscene from one of the games. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we get cutscenes where, oh, here's Bowser coming to attack the castle and steal the princess. You know, and since this opens kind of like that, I'm like, does this feel like the beginning of a game? Or is this going to feel like <laughs> a movie? You know? Right. But within seconds, you start seeing like the details on everything and the camera angles and you, the, the music and the voices. And it's like, oh, okay. All right. This is not just going to be an hour and 40 minute long cutscene. Um, right. <laughs> so in terms of the, like the, the, what, what's revealed in the trailer, the thing that jumped out at me, aside from, I agree, it was really cool to kind of open with Bowser. Yeah. Um, 
But the thing that jumped out at me is when we get to Mario and we hear his voice, right? Because that's been the big thing. Chris Pratt yep. is the voice of Mario and everyone feels like that's such a strange choice. He doesn't sound like, it's me, Mario. Yeah, we're also <laughs> used to Charles Martinet. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Charles Martinet is the gifted voice actor who's done all of them. He's a Mario, Luigi, Waluigi, Wario. Yes. I know such a wide Since the Mario 64 days, he's, the, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. the voice of Mario. Yeah. And there's people like, is Pratt going to try to do that or whatever? So when we finally get to hear Mario's voice, uh, he sounds pretty much more or less exactly like Chris Pratt. But the thing is, he doesn't know what the Mushroom Kingdom is. Right? He's looking around at the yeah. mushrooms. He doesn't know what this place is. So that tells me, because remember, that's one thing about the trailer. Like, yes, we see the initial setup of Bowser coming to attack that ice castle and all that stuff. But we don't really know much more about the plot of the film. Right. And what's interesting about Mario not knowing the Mushroom Kingdom is it makes me wonder if Pratt is really voicing Mario at all. Pratt might be a gamer playing as Mario. They might do some sort of interesting perspective thing like that. Maybe maybe not even spell it out to us at first. But I just feel like, wouldn't Mario, if this were actually the Super Mario, wouldn't he know the Mushroom Kingdom? Unless they're doing like a, um, what do you call it? Like an amnesia angle, like he doesn't right. remember his past. But I get the sense that it's not. I have a feeling that almost a kind of like mirror that experience of picking up the controller and diving into this game and going what the hell is this? And Mario is kind of your guy. You, know, you are the stand in for Mario. Right. I wonder if that voice isn't really him. You know, it's the voice of right. the person who's playing as him right now, you know, but either yeah. way, we'll see if I'm right about that. But anyway, so give me some, uh, so yeah, yeah. Some thoughts on your end here. I've, I've read that theory, uh, okay. that it's going to be Chris Pratt is like a gamer thing. I personally, I hate that. So I hope <laughs> it's not that. And, yeah. um, I, I really I, I personally why wouldn't don't... he know the mushroom king? Well, because my oh, theory um is this this is an origin story. Um and okay. and and it's also a fun little nod to the original Mario Brothers movie. Let me explain. Mm. Um yeah. it's it's a fish out of water story. Um yeah. So there are a couple of things we do know uh, just from the cast list. So Sebastian Maniscalco, the comedian, is playing Foreman Spike, who is a character from Wrecking Crew, which is an old school Nintendo game that Mario also appeared in before he was Mario. This um, is why you're my so, co-host, by the way. So, yes. and if you look at uh, kind of the art style, Mario, um, he, you know, he still has the cartoon. Um, the animated, uh, you know, features the way his body is and stuff like that is certainly like the animated Nintendo version of a of a humanoid. Um, but his denim is very realistic looking. They also made a little adjustment to his shirt. If you notice, it's not a t shirt. There's a collar. It's almost like a work mm. shirt. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. listen, the, the, there's backstory for this. Mario is a twenty something guy from Brooklyn. So this movie is going to open up with him and his brother Luigi working as plumbers in Brooklyn with their I manager, see. Spike. And what's going to happen is he's going to get sucked into so – maybe they find a pipe, yeah. something happens, a and he's going to get sucked into. So this is the origin story. This is Mario's first visit 
leaving Brooklyn and our world and getting sucked into the mushroom kingdom. Uh, so that is, that's basically where I'm at with that right yeah. now is, is that, that that's what's going to happen. So, and Toad's his guide. He runs into Toad yeah. as soon as he gets there and he's like, follow me. I gotta, I'm going to take you here and show you around. Um, so this scene where we first see him kind of fall out and hit the mushrooms and stuff. And Toad at that point already knows his name. He says, come on, Mario, let's go. Um, so they, there's clearly a scene in between this or before that where they bump into each other. So that that's my theory is that it is going to start out in Brooklyn. We're going to see him get sucked into the Mushroom Kingdom. So it's going to go very much that Alice in Wonderland. Uh, very, Alice in Wonderland is a huge inspiration, obviously. Uh, the Mushroom Go Big, Make You Go Small, yeah. all that whole thing. Um, and I think Miyamoto has said as much, you know, over the years. So that that's where I think we're going with it is we're getting the fish out of water story. It's Mario's first time in the Mushroom Kingdom. And uh, I am I am very excited for that. Um, you know, a couple of like just other like random notes um, I wanted to point out. So um, I've seen everyone make the same tired, boring gabagool joke uh, today on Twitter. It took about six hours for that to just get fucking real tired and unoriginal. Um, listen, I don't know what I, you know. As soon as they announced the Chris Pratt, Pratt casting, everyone was like, "Oh, what the hell? What the hell?" I don't know what the hell everyone was expecting but i think i even said this if i'm not mistaken several episodes back uh many episodes back on this very show i said it's going to be chris pratt's voice with like a new york accent and uh and again that also supports my theory that this movie is starting out in brooklyn and he's getting falling into the mushroom kingdom so um and that's exactly what we got um i've seen people tweeting it should have just been charles martinet you're on fucking crack I mean, if you think for an hour and a half, two hours, you're just going to listen to him, Wahoo! the high pitched voice talking and giving fucking exposition, you're, you're literally on crack. So that was never going to work. That's not a good idea. It was never going to be a good idea. So whatever. And Charles Martinet is actually on the voice cast. He's going to be doing some minor characters and stuff. Um, so you're going to get to hear him. And I'm sure they'll do some kind of a nod where he does Mario at some point. They will They will totally do it. It'll happen. Um, so that's number one. Number two, you know, a lot of the things too, and this is, this is something just in general, uh, I think we see it across with movies, with games, with just everything nowadays and social media. Like as soon as they, this movie first even got announced and that it was Illumination doing it, it was known for the minions, which, you know, very love hate. Some people love them. Yeah. Kids love them. A lot of people, oh, they hate them. They're just these stupid little ciphers and they just make noises and that, that and like slapstick comedy. And I know, listen, Illumination's done other animated, animated films. I don't think any of them have hit anywhere near the success of the, the minions movies. Um, um, Despicable Me, right? That's what they are. Yeah. Um, so I don't think any of them had really hit that. So I understand. But as soon as everyone said Illumination, everyone's like rolling their eyes. Oh, it's just going to be a minion fest. It's just people making noises. Nintendo's very, very, very yeah. hands-on with this. That's why and we I think, haven't had any more adaptations. In yeah, because there's been no Zelda. There's been because Nintendo will not let anyone yeah. bastardize it. After that Mario Brothers movie, they were like, yep. never again. And After that last one made control. me cry in theaters when they <laughs> set Toad on fire. <laughs> They said, okay, all right, we made Mario cry in New York. So they said, we'll we never do. give these rights away ever again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, like, you know, people were down on this from the beginning. It's illumination. It's illumination. And it's just the thing that bothers me. It's always like, oh, whatever this yeah, studio did before. And come out with their yeah, that's what they're – everyone's out. defined. Every And it's like everyone, every person, every movie, every game, everything is seems to always be defined by what they did before if it was something that was, like, not everyone's favorite. And it's just yeah. like – 
give it a fucking rest, people. Like, the fact that they voice cast the whole film and it's clearly not just going to be people making noises. And listen, when those penguins showed up on screen in the beginning, I was ready to be like, okay, they're going to start making like, meh, 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 like little penguin noises and yeah. just be like sitting to the minions. And no, there was a voice too. And yeah. I thought that was really cool. It was a nice little nod to Mario 64 with the penguins. And, and um, the humor, by the way, right? Because Bowser yeah. initially comes in and he looks really scary and menacing, and this whole thing is very grandiose and intense. And then all of a sudden, when they start throwing the fire, the the snowballs, snowballs. the music <laughs> drops out, and it's just kind of like awkward. And he's standing there, like, really, <laughs> you know, like you could tell that this thing is not going to. It's going to have a sense of humor. It's going to poke some fun at it. Yeah, and listen, not, you know, it's cheeky. It's going to be a kids movie. I mean, they said it's going to be enjoyable for all ages, um, you know. And uh, I think just even from the from the movie poster, there's so many fun Easter eggs in it. Miyamoto at the end of the little direct where they presented it to. If you if you didn't just watch the trailer, there was a Nintendo direct today, and there was a little stuff before and after with Miyamoto. And they said there's going to be stuff all over the screen for you to look at and catch, and little Easter eggs and nostalgia. And uh, it's going to be like Ready Player One in that respect, where you're just like looking for all the cool references. So it is going to be for those diehard fans. Um, you know, uh, the other thing I wanted to, I'm kind of like circling back real quick, but back to the Chris Pratt voice. So again, I don't know what everyone was expecting with that. Um, Mario is a young 20 something dude from Brooklyn that gets sucked into these crazy circumstances. Chris Pratt has that typical... You know, and, and this is going to sound like an insult. It's like, and I'm fine with that. I don't mean it like this, but it is. It's a typical vanilla straight man hero voice. Chris Pratt has it. Like he has that down. It's the, it's the white dude hero voice that you, it, it's very neutral. He's the straight man reacting to all the crazy stuff around him. Listen, Charlie Day is going to have a field day as Luigi. I'm sure there's a little shot of him <laughs> oh, here. Yell. That's where that. the comic relief is going to come from. Mario is the straight man. He always yeah. is. So I think just having that little New York accent, which, you know, whatever, it might sound a little put on. It, maybe they, they, you know, they should have got a real New Yorker or something. I don't know. I'm sure everyone's going to have all the bullshit to say, but I think overall it's going to be fine. Matt, he's going to sound like a young, youthful, heroic guy. Chris Pratt has that like generic voice for that. It's, it's actually perfect. So everyone needs to stop with like, just, you know, listen, everyone's just mad because Chris Pratt's in everything. And I know there was some shit about like, he goes to this church, um, Hillsong. And I think the previous guy who ran that church was like homophobic and there's some other stuff. I don't think Chris Pratt's like this horrible dude. And we have this whole thing, right? Like if you're associated with one thing, now you're just guilty by association. And it's like the cancel brigade. Yeah, I don't like. I, I think everyone's just being really unfair to him. Yeah. Like, yeah. listen, man, when he was on Parks and Rec, all y'all were fucking, you know, stroking him. Okay, you were like, we love Chris Pratt. He was so funny and goofy. He was great. He's very, very funny on that. Now everyone hates him, and it's just, it's just stupid. I don't <laughs> hate him. No, I, I don't. I, but I everyone on the, the internet memo? just jumps on this bandwagon. Like he's like the quote unquote worst Chris. There's like a whole thing. Like he's been. I feel bad for like the last like, couple of years. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I can't see That's anything the thing. that people bad. Love people assumptions. fall in love with people and then they love to tear them down. After. Yeah. It, it, oh, he's in too much. I hate him now. He's garbage. And it's like, yeah. So yeah. anyway, I think the voice is fine. Uh, uh, I really like uh, Keegan-Michael Key is playing Toad. It definitely sounds like they altered the pitch because I don't know if he could yeah. actually go that. I mean, maybe he could. He has a pretty crazy vocal range, but it looks like they raised his pitch. But if you really listen, you can still kind of hear it's Keegan, Michael key. And yeah. I like that. It fits Toad's voice. Perfect. Um, I'm so excited for this movie. I think people are just like, really like just nitpicking and just being annoying and like trying to meme it and get those quick clicks and get the comments and troll it. 
Um, snark this is the best case scenario for this movie. Himself. Yeah. But yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So, so, all right, but we're I not cynical and we're not no, no. Uh, sarcastic. Well, we are sarcastic. But yeah. when it comes to this game, this movie, uh, yeah. I I think we're both on the same page where they could take our money. They can reserve our money right yeah. now. We nice are early birthday present for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. It's like three weeks, uh, two weeks, three weeks before my birthday. So yeah, I am, buddy. I am there day one, baby. You know it. Yeah. So Super Mario Brothers. Who knew? There's a good... Super Mario movie coming, and hopefully this time I won't cry. But now let's talk <laughs> about another trailer that came out since we last recorded. That like did latest. make me cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The trailer for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever has made its way. We finally get our first like real look. There was a teaser that was very vague and kind of left open the question of what's going to happen with the. The, the mantle of Black Panther yeah. because in the teaser it's alluded to that T'Challa just like our dearly departed Chadwick Boseman has passed on even in the narrative and that they're going to try to find some way to replace him but we never are given any indication in the first teaser and now thanks to the new trailer we kind of sort of do so let's break yeah. that down a little bit um so in this, we, we're given a lot of interesting looks. Before we get the big reveal about what our new Black Panther looks like, we get the confirmation of uh, Riri, of the Ironheart. We get to see yes. her in action, and then we get to see some of that camera angle that's very Tony Stark, very Robert yes. Downey Jr. of that interface inside of the helmet. So... Um, for those people who've been waiting to see Ironheart for a while, because you know, I think right away people started going in that direction after the first Black Panther, thinking maybe that the little sister was going to be her, um, right? Because she was you know, the inventor and all this, but you know, yeah. they didn't go that route. But they did find a way to introduce Ironheart through this, just like they're also introducing Namor through this. Yeah. And then now the big thing at the end is when we finally see the new Black Panther in their armor. It is a female form. Yeah, very clearly a female. Very clearly a female form. And this, you know, the early theories were that maybe since M'Baku was such a popular character in the first movie, maybe they'd make him the new Black Panther. Then there was rumors that maybe they were going to find a way to get bring Killmonger back from the dead and let Michael B. Jordan take yeah. on the mantle. Uh, since he was again very much beloved in you know, that people thought he was great in the last one, and there's a lot of people who even thought that him as a villain was a very compelling villain who had very interesting yeah. motivations. So you could, in theory, sort of redeem that character if you brought him back from the dead. Um, but as it turns out, nope, it's not Mbaku, it is not Killmonger. It looks like it's going to be, and I'm really bad at this. Though the the the, it's the Shuri. main Shuri, right? The 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 main the guard. Oh, you think no, it's the sister? The, no, I, I'm I'm pretty confident it's the sister because they've also yeah. released some new logos and it has okay. her front and center like this um, uh, on it. I see. Yeah, but yeah, in the yeah. comics, Shuri does take the mantle um, at different points. Yeah. So it seems like they're going that route. Um, I, listen, I thought, I thought I it might Fisher be what's right? her name, the one from Walking Dead. Denai Guerrera. Yes. Yes. Denai Guerrera is, is the the, her like actual the, the name. The head of the Dora Milaji. The She's, one who, um, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, uh, 
Danai Guerrero is the actress's name. Uh, she's, yeah. I think it's O, isn't it? Like O. Yeah, I forget uh, her character's name, but I, I, know, I feel like it okay. could be her too. So, yeah. so I'm not sure. Oh, people were thinking Lupita, Lupita, <laughs> Lupita. Oh yeah, Lupita, Lupita oh, Nyong'o, go um, right who I, I love. Yeah, there um, were some off-camera conversations about Lupita that could not be repeated here. Sure. No. <laughs> um, um, but yes, yeah. So it's going to be a female Black Panther, whether it, you know, whether it's the sister, whether it's the the the, the one, the the leader of the Dora Milaje. Yeah, I think I think it's it's Shuri. Um, I feel like that almost just even yeah. like the the build uh, of her because yeah. she's kind of more like like lanky. Um, I feel like you know Letitia Wright. I really I listen. I really liked her in the first film. Um, I think she has big. I mean, anyone has big shoes to fill with. Uh, to you yeah. know, Chadwick Boseman. I mean, he was like just amazing as T'Challa. Um, you know, I don't know. I I mean, you know, she she did her thing in the first movie. I haven't really seen her in anything else. So yeah. I don't know, but you know, if you were going with the stronger actors, Lupita Nyong'o or Denai Guerrera um, uh, yeah. are, are, I, in my opinion, they have a stronger presence and they mm -hmm. are stronger actresses. So um, I would have maybe liked to see one of them, and that's not to say that one of them, you know, isn't it? You know what I mean? But uh, it, it to me, it, I, it looked like Shuri, and like I said, there's there's room for it in in, in the comics, and especially yeah. in this trailer. They yeah. seem to hint at it more with a kind of like, I think there was like, a, if I'm not mistaken, there was like a part in there where Shuri was kind of like struggling with like where she should take her place. I think in mm. this whole, yeah. you know, vacuum, this power vacuum and, and what yeah. she stands for. They seem to kind of like really allude to that unless it's just like yeah. a beat switch. So, but you see, you know, here's the other thing is. though. Here's the thing that I yeah. feel. Okay. Look, I, I didn't grow up a big Black Panther person, right? I don't have a huge amount of loyalty or investment or stock in that mythology. But I actually tend to agree with the people who feel like the, the character and the, the role is larger than any one actor. And while it is indeed a tragedy to have lost Chadwick, I do wonder if maybe they should have just recast T'Challa and kept going. Because to me, it just feels so abrupt now. That because of the real life yeah. tragedy, I understand they had to think on their toes here, but because of this real life tragedy, that entire storyline now like gets completely nerfed and changed into something different. Meanwhile, yeah. that's the main line, Black Panther, T'Challa. That's right. like if you know the saying, "All right, after one movie, Superman's no longer Clark Kent; somebody else is Superman." Now we're going straight into that in the second movie. You know, like I get it. You know, it's really. The, his untimely passing and, and you know, how do you honor his legacy without trying to step on it or whatever. Like I understand it's delicate territory, but I do kind of think that I would have been very, very fine if they just proceeded with a different actor playing T'Challa. How would you have felt about that? Yeah, I, I would have been okay with that. Um, I, yeah, there's a couple of good candidates, including even though they, they they ended up snatching him up for Hawkman, but you know Aldis Hodge looks like T'Challa to me, the guy, the guy who plays Hawkman in Black Adam. But sure. uh, you know, I feel like there's a, any number of of candidates they could have found. Um, but instead, I, I we're get just, it. Though. I mean, like we're done with T'Challa. I think that that movie was just such a landmark film, and it made yeah. it did it did so on the box office. It was um, a landmark film for like diversity representation, um, and I think like all the people involved, I think were just like super close on it, and uh, 
you know, what they were doing was so special. So I think like the director and cast on that are like tighter than maybe on like most yeah. films, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I think that's what it was. I think they were all reeling. And listen, hopefully, you know, this movie uh, surprises us in a way that it, it does really address Chadwick Boseman or T'Challa's death and, and handles it really well. It seems yeah. like they really took their time to think about this and make sure that they, they could do justice. And it seems like the movie is, is going to be like a, about that. You know, yeah. so um, I, I trust Brian Coogler. Handle, yeah. yeah, but I wonder how they're going to handle that death, too, because to me, this feels somewhat reminiscent yeah. of uh, the rise of Skywalker, where they knew that they wanted to have Leia in it and she hadn't died in The Last Jedi and they had right. a role already lined up. You know, she was apparently going to be pretty prominent in the original version of Episode yeah. Nine. And uh, because of her untimely passing, they had to find a creative way to have her on screen and have her die on screen, even though Carrie Fisher was never actually on that set, you know? Right. And I wonder how are they going to handle this? You know, is, is, is T'Challa, is, you know, is T'Challa going to die off screen? Are there actually going to be some scenes with like a CG Chadwick Boseman? Yeah. Or are we going to see him just in the suit and something's going to happen and we're going to understand he didn't survive that mission. You know, I'm just curious, you know, because yeah. again, the, the he's supposedly missing. I think that's like the setup, right? Is that he's missing it is kind yeah, of, I'm like not sure. I, I haven't been able to glean too much about the story just yet, but yeah, you know, either way, I'm just very intrigued by that too. How do you go into a sequel that centers around a, a major character that's going to die and the replacement of that character when that actor isn't even around at all for any of this transition anymore. Yeah, and I, I wonder how people are going to react too if there is some CG trickery, if there is some you know reuse of older footage or whatever. Like you know, is that going to be? That's probably considered? what they'll do. I'm sure they have extra B-roll that they didn't use from the first film, and they can. Yeah. And like things he said in the, because he also voiced the character in uh, Marvel's What If. You know, they have lots of samples of his voice that they could use. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do, but, yeah. you know, I'm just very intrigued by how they're going to handle that, you know. Um, by the way, of, can we just say real quick, too, both those trailers, the first teaser trailer and this new one, those are damn good trailers. Yes. <laughs> like, like, they tra actually have been is an art. Yeah, yeah, they were they they gave me the feels, both of them, and yeah. they got me very intrigued because I was very iffy on this movie. You know, yeah. after his death, I was like, I don't know what this thing's gonna be. It's gonna be some like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, and uh, this guy's given me a lot of confidence. So I just want to say that, like, shout out. Those are two damn fucking good trailers. No, I absolutely agree, and the fact that I'm actually interested and want to go see this says a lot because I've been so checked out on Marvel basically since Endgame, you know, I, I, we've discussed yeah. this, like, you know, I saw Endgame, I saw uh, Far From Home, I saw No Way Home, and that's it for my Marvel movies. I have still not seen The Eternals or Black Widow or uh, Shang-Chi. I still haven't seen God, Thor, Love and Thunder. Out of but, all of the ones you just listed, yeah, uh, Shang-Chi is actually a really fun movie, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, You know, third third act aside, but re really good. Thor, yeah. Love and Thunder, I think I talked about last week, was just like, it was fine. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it was uh, as good as Ragnarok. Yeah. And then Black Widow, for me, was like, I really did not. And the Eternals was like, woof. Woof, yeah, see, like, was, I don't me, know like, what Marvel's kind of lost one. its touch, you know, and and like yeah. 
it's been a little bit since I've been like hooked into what they're doing over there. You know, listen, yeah. I dug on the Loki series. I dug on what was their first one? WandaVision. Uh, yes, I dug on WandaVision. But meanwhile, I haven't touched She-Hulk. I haven't touched Captain America, oh, the, the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I haven't touched uh, the the Hawkeye the one. But yeah, Hawkeye. just like I don't know. I I've 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 checked out. But that Wakanda Forever trailer checked me in. Even though I still think it should be T'Challa, I want to see how this plays out. I have faith in Ryan Coogler. It's still got a dynamite cast and uh, bring yeah. it on. Uh, speaking of staying here in the Marvel realm, though, you know, yeah. one of the things that's been missing for me since Endgame is having that big event film that we're building towards, that big overarching story and understanding what that overarching story is, right? There's been some mystery since Endgame. There had even been talk that there's not going to be an Avengers movie for a very long time, if ever again, and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. then at Comic-Con this past summer, we found out that there actually is an Avengers movie coming out. And it's, it's that one uh, Avengers Secret Wars. And that, you know, that in within the next few months, within, the, within these next movies that are coming out, the the larger story they're telling is going to come more into focus, Kevin Feige promises. Yeah. So with that in mind, I've been intrigued. I'm like, okay, there's going to be another Avengers. There's going to be another big overarching story for us to follow. How exciting. But then I hear who they just hired for this Avengers movie, and I'm kind of scratching my head, Brett. Because, look, the last few Avengers movies were written by really good writers. You know, the, yeah. the Russos brought in Marcus and McFeely, I believe, who worked on the Captain America movies. And even, you know, the, say what you will about him nowadays, but I think Joss Whedon wrote two very strong Avengers movies with the first Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Yeah, Age of I agree. On. So through the first four Avengers films that we've gotten, we've been pretty blessed with some very damn solid writing. and. They've asked the guy who wrote Doctor Strange 2 to write Avengers Secret Wars. Now, I don't know, man. Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness, you and I saw it together. And we were pretty okay with it. I don't think either of us walked yeah. out of that going, wow, what an incredible thing. You know, it had its moments. It had <laughs> those things that made us completely geek out in the theater and clutch ourselves like crying teenage girls. But like, aside from those fleeting moments, I thought it was a pretty kind of like messy kind of schlocky, strange tonally movie. Yeah. Uh, and even the reviews were not exactly the most over the top effusive praise you've ever seen for a Marvel film. It was kind of on the mixed side. Yeah. So imagine my surprise when Kevin Feige hires the writer of that for the next Avengers movie, you know? So I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have like a ton to say on that. Just suffice it to say that them entrusting that movie to the guy who did Doctor Strange 2 makes me nervous. Does it make you nervous, Brett? Yeah, a little. And and I just want to be clear too. So they've said they just tapped him to write Secret Wars because before Secret Wars, we're supposed to have more Avengers, the Kang Dynasty. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, is he getting tapped to write both of them or just Secret Wars? Yeah. He's yeah, not being tapped for both. Sure. Yeah, I don't think okay. he is now. So yeah, because I I forgot. Did they announce who was writing Kang Dynasty? I think we didn't get an announcement for the director or something. I don't, yeah, that that part is kind of flown under my radar now. But hopefully, yeah, there might have been guy. something. I wonder if I could uh, look it up in uh, real time. 
Well, while uh, you do that, I can just talk about the fact that I think uh, Michael Waldron is not the right man for the job. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like that, that movie, I mean, listen, the writing wasn't the only problem with Doctor Strange 2. Um, it was, you know, the, I thought the editing was very jarring and all over the place. Um, obviously, I don't want to say like there was anything wrong with quote unquote with the direction. It's just that it was a very Sam Raimi movie. And if you've seen other Sam Raimi movies, it had that feel. And I think when you're so used to how manicured and, and uh, kind of homogenized the MCU has been to see this like really wild out there, like kind of jarring Sam Raimi film, you know, maybe felt even more alienating than if it was just, you know, I don't know if the MCU wasn't yeah. so homogenized because it was, it just, it was just like a very Sam Raimi film, like, which like felt so different from everything else. Cause I feel like, you know, we, we've talked about this a thousand times, like Marvel kind of seems to like pick certain directors to keep them in check and keep them with longer their vision. Yeah. But for this one, they were like, no, Sam Raimi, make a Sam Raimi film. Sam Raimi like, oh, the hell out of this thing. I'm going to yeah. fucking do that. Um, yeah. So yeah, so it's, it's interesting. So that movie had a lot, a lot of issues like, you know, um, you know, like we talked, like right, like some of some of the uh, the ideas for the alternate universes were not very like inventive. It was like, oh, a yeah. world where red means go instead of green. Like I was like, that's that's the crazy thing. And yeah. oh, and yeah, food yeah. was free or something. Um, but it did give us Pizza Papa, so that was kind of worth it because uh, Pizza Papa is my new favorite MCU character. Uh, you know, so there was that, but then like you know, they tried to give it like an emotional through line. Um, there was that recurring thing, you know, are you happy? Are you happy? Are you happy? That was like the question to yeah. Doctor Strange and uh, to Stephen Strange, and like it, it never really got anywhere other than surface. So I'm like, well, can this guy like really write like a deep thing? Like it just got so wrapped up in like in like I guess like spectacle and and then uh, you know trying to you know get this Scarlet Witch story in there and. And try to, I guess, for people who didn't watch WandaVision, try to get them to kind of understand what was going on with her. Because if you did not watch WandaVision, right, like you kind of were like, what the fuck happened here? Yeah. This is really different. Yeah. So there was just a lot of, so I don't want to blame it all on the writing. You know what I mean? Certainly no, direction and editing. One other thing I want to give him hell for, though, is also, you know, if you're going to write an Avengers movie, you need to be really good at like, following all the different through lines for all these different characters and balancing it all out because everyone's coming from their own different narrative and you got to right. make it all cohesive and coherent and work great. And I don't, I'm not convinced he, he did that with Wanda. You know, I felt like Wanda's turn and Dr. Strange too felt kind of, even with the Wanda vision preamble still felt a little bit like, wow, she's going full blown bad guy here. And it almost felt like, did the people who make this movie see her previous appearances in the MCU? Cause this to me felt a little bit like out of nowhere. So to me right. having a, someone who already has handled Wanda incorrectly now in charge of an entire troop of Avengers characters just has me a little nervous. but yes. And I did a little research real quick just oh, to, yes. for the listeners. So um, yeah. So the Avengers, the Kang dynasty, which is the first Avengers film before secret wars. Yeah. Uh, is being directed uh, by Destin Daniel Cretton, who was the director of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, he's also going to be doing Shang-Chi 2, and he's on board. He's uh, definitely directing Avengers of the Kang Dynasty, unless all of a sudden he drops off because that yeah. happens to Marvel directors. And we actually do have um, Jeff Loveness uh, is writing Avengers Never the Kang Dynasty. Okay. Um, so he's actually a Rick and Morty uh, writer, and oh. he's also... Oh. 
the writer on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is oh. going to feature like our first, I mean, we had the debut of Kang or a version of Kang in Loki, in Loki. but that will be like, Kang is the villain in Quantumania. So like, <laughs> or one version of him. So he's actually writing that and then going on to the Kang dynasty. So it seems like those two films will probably be very interconnected. It makes sense yeah. that they're doing that. And then, um, yeah. And then we got Secret Wars. Uh, the guy who wrote Doctor Strange 2 is doing Secret Wars. Yeah. I don't know. So we'll, yeah, we'll exactly. see. I don't know. We'll see. But you know what else we're going to see? We're going to oh. see Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine. Did you hear about this, Brett? Oh, yes. So, I heard about it. I saw it. And it yes. If you somehow have not been on the internet in the last week or week and a half or so, uh, Ryan Reynolds filmed this great little teaser video clip that he posted on his social media where he's sitting on the couch talking about the difficulties with putting together Deadpool three. And there's all these dramatic shots where he's like, you know, I really wanted to dig deep and break new ground and you push the characters into new <laughs> territory. And it's all very like inspirational. And then the music cuts out. He's like, but I got nothing. I have I got nothing. nothing. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And then Hugh Jackman is walking in the background. And he goes, Hey Hugh, what you want to be Wolverine again? Sure. And he just walks he goes, up the stairs. He goes, he goes, yeah, yeah, sure, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, sure, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how it ends. And then you see the Deadpool logo and the Wolverine, you know, the uh, the swipe for Deadpool 3, the three claw lines. Yeah. So that pretty much broke the internet when it came out. And uh, I, we need to react about it on this show because Hugh Jackman yes. entering the MCU. Now we're going to have Hugh Jackman's Logan slash Wolverine make his way into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, this is, you know, for some people, this is like a dream come true. Uh, it seemed like it would never happen, right? Because he got killed off and Logan and seemingly right. retired that role in 2017. You know, and this is before Disney bought Fox. So it seemed like, yeah, you, right. know, you know, so Jackman was the Wolverine of the Fox era. And we're going to get a new Wolverine in the Disney era. And as it turns out, we're getting the same old Wolverine. Now, I'm sure we're going to get a younger one along with a fully new rebooted X-Men. Yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah, so this doesn't preclude that. But honestly, it kind of makes sense that he would be the Wolverine in Deadpool's world. Because up to this point, the universe Deadpool's been attached to was Fox's mutant X-Men universe. Right. You know, so Deadpool 3, which is a sequel to those Deadpool movies, it makes sense that we're going to have Hugh Jackman, like that would be the Wolverine. But can you believe that uh, <laughs> Reynolds got Jackman to agree to come out of retirement for this? Yeah, well, I think if you remember, like, Hugh Jackman, like, he had said in the past that he wanted to be a part of the MCU. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. he's made comments about this before, so it makes yeah. sense that, like, Finally, Ryan Reynolds was like, dude, you got to fucking do it. And then, yeah. and then Kevin Feige got on board and was like, yeah, let's do it. And then we have the multiverse check. now and yeah. we own them now. So now it's like it can really happen. So, yeah, I don't think this precludes, like you said, because um, I see people saying, well, oh, I thought we were going to get a new Wolverine. I wish they would have just rebooted it and started yeah. over. And we we're going to get a well. rebooted X-Men thing. I think that's going to be yeah. still a ways off before we start yeah. really seeing X-Men, even though no we started yet. getting yeah. – the mutant the mutant term has started getting thrown around a bit more yeah um you know so 
because uh, I, I, you know, obviously in uh, you know, Miss Marvel, they they threw the M word around at the end, and um, uh-huh. I think we already have confirmation that uh, uh, Namor, Namor, whatever his name is, um, is and he is considered the first mutant uh, in oh. Mar- Marvel's first mutant. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. He's actually a mutant, and uh, if I understand correctly, uh, they've been alluding that he will be a mutant in Black uh, Panther Wakanda Forever. So we're entering the mutant age, folks. So yeah. it's just a matter of time. But, um, you know, then I saw some people saying, you know, obviously, well, this cheapens his death in Logan. And uh, they also, I don't know, Mario, you saw, they did release a second yeah, video a as well. Yeah, we're going to address all the canon and continuity yeah. issues and blah, blah, blah. And then just did a very funny thing where they started to tell you, but then it got drowned out by Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. <laughs> and yeah. then you, they're just acting everything out and look like they're having a ton of fun. And, yeah. uh, you know, they, but they do say in the beginning before the, the joke and kicks in, a, they said it's a separate thing. You know what happened? That happened yeah. in 2029. So we could do this. Um, the biggest thing for me, Mario, though, is like, um, you know, awesome to have Hugh Jackman back. Awesome to have Ryan Reynolds. They get to like make up for the Wolverine Origins movie and oh, their appearance right. together there. And yeah. you know there's going to be a bunch of great jokes about that because they already even did them in the first two Deadpool movies. Yeah. But now they can like really do it. But. This could finally, oh, I think I know finally, what say. Yes. you know what I'm going to say. Yes. This could finally be the chance that we get Hugh Jack. Because here's the thing. Yeah, I know. Hugh Jackman's, Hugh Jackman's a bit older now. And yeah. listen, he's in great shape and I'm sure he can bulk up again. But I don't think we're getting him in the ripped Jack shape that he was in like Days yeah. of Future Past and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, The Wolverine where he's like shredded out of his mind. It depends so, on what they paid him. I don't know. He might be it doing depends. He might he do nothing it. but chicken breasts and works out all day like he does when he's Wolverine. But if he doesn't go – he'll be – listen, he'll be in good shape. He'll bulk up. But if he doesn't go full, full crazy because he's older now, it seems like you might want to put him – in a real good suit, a yeah. real good comics accurate yellow and blue, or they could do the dark maroon, like rust yellow, uh, yes. you know, really yes. old school kind of, because yeah. the blue and yellow came more in the 90s cartoon. The yeah. comics had the, the more red and, uh, you know, the mustard and ketchup, yeah. um, which is a joke that She-Hulk made for the Daredevil suit, which is very <laughs> mustard and ketchup in the, in the show. Uh, so that's why it's on the brain. I just watched it. But, yes, but yeah, I, knew you I think we could cover him up, put him in the suit, give him the cool helmet listen that was a deleted a deleted scene tease from the wolverine so if you bought the dvd he opens up the package and they show the red and yellow mask and we never got that and it just seems like if you're gonna do it now put him in the fucking costume i mean that was one of the first places my mind went because i'm like all right marvel has a pretty damn good track record of comic accurate suits. Yeah. Even if it's an adaptation of it, it still adheres pretty closely yep. to a, some iconic version of that character in the comic book form. So as soon as I heard Hughes coming back as Wolverine, my mind starts going. So for the first time ever, we might be getting a comic accurate wolverine costume on the big screen give it to me oh i need it <laughs> injected into my veins i'm calling um, it right now like they they do it i i think yeah. i don't know if they'll do yellow and blue but i think we get the the well you know maybe they will because of the contrast with deadpool because he's all red and black but yeah. we're getting the yellow and blue or we're getting like the 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 maroon red and yellow uh suit with the mask that's the most oh, important thing is the mask got, we gotta um, see it and they're going to make yeah. it look good. They are going to do it. They're going to do a good job. They're going to do a good job. So, uh, and I'm going to do a good job. 
Oh, we'll oh, get yeah. just one more thing. Logan, we finally got our first hyper-violent, bloody Wolverine movie where you yeah. actually see him cutting off limbs and stuff. And we know Deadpool 3 is still going to be in the rated R range. And yeah. based on how the first two Deadpools were, we're going to get some good, bloody Wolverine Ooh, action, baby. Yes. Give it a to Berserker me. Barrage. Yeah. I better get um, a Berserker Barrage in there. <laughs> yes. All right. So for this last topic, it's pretty much just going to be all me since you don't watch the show and you're kind of a loser mm. who doesn't care about this IP. I'm going to go to mythology sleep now. Because your parents failed you. Yeah. But we got to talk about <laughs> Cobra Kai. Okay. Because. <laughs> yes, we must. Because last week or so, they announced that there's going to be a new Karate Kid movie. And this is a big deal because I don't know if you know about this, Brett, but Cobra Kai is a big, massive hit show. Okay. You may, you're the one schmuck who's not watching it, but on Netflix, it's yeah. a huge runaway success. These, you know, the, these five seasons that have come out have been very well rated, very well loved. There's very well five received. fucking seasons already? Yes. I feel I like think- this like came back like a year ago. They did no, five man. seasons in a year and a half. Yeah. No, like so they, has it been has it been five years or have they been getting like two seasons out a year? No, I think it's been about that. It's been about I don't know somewhere around there. It's been about four years, and maybe Shut this was the up. fourth season. I don't know, but either way, it's it it's not one, two, or three. We're in the fours or fives here with six. That's on fucking the nuts. It's nuts, but it's because it's so good. But listen to me, because I'm pissed off. Okay, <laughs> because. Sony Pictures announces a new Karate Kid movie. And I think in the press release, they even like reference Cobra Kai, you know, because listen, they, they get it. They see that there is a ton of interest in this IP right now. So they want to capitalize. So when it was first announced, people are thinking, oh, okay, so maybe they're going to take one of the younger kids from Cobra Kai that they've been building up and now do a full blown movie about them. That would be a smart thing to do. But as it turns out, there was follow-up after that press release from the people involved with Cobra Kai and then later on this week from Ralph Macchio himself saying that not so fast. Sony Pictures is making a new Karate Kid movie, but it actually has nothing to do with Cobra Kai. (laughs) And to me, that sounds like greedy film uh, a greedy film studio just trying to cash in on a hot trend right now you know sony pictures has the film rights so nobody can stop them from making a a karate kid movie but if you're not going to adapt what's actually working right now you're just going to try to basically mooch off it you can go to hell with that It, it honestly makes me think about what happened a couple months ago when um mgm announced a TV series or something like that, some kind of spinoff about Drago, about Ivan Drago and his son from Rocky Four, And Stallone hated that idea. And he came out afterward being like, you know, I can't wait to get the full rights to my characters back because this is basically, this is not what I want to do. And no one asked me about this and I have no say over this. And it's one of those situations where, Hey, the studio owns the film rights. They could do whatever they want. And, Right now, it's seeming an awful lot like some kind of cynical cash grab, trying to you know soak up as much money as they can from somebody else's concept as possible. So the fact that Sony Pictures would announce a Karate Kid movie that has zero to do with the hit series that they're clearly mooching off of makes me feel like this is all just a bad idea and this thing well, is going to suck. And I kind of hope they don't make it. 
we we also got one uh, not that like, probably less than ten years ago. Didn't we get yeah, that? Yeah, Jackie uh, Chan Jaden and Smith Jaden and Jackie Smith. Chan. Yeah, and but apparently this well. won't continue that one. And what's confusing yeah. is the initial press release makes it sound like it would actually continue the legacy of the original films, but that's what Cobra Kai is. So unless it's set before the events of Cobra Kai, right? Like it's just it's it it's it honestly again it just reeks of some executive thinking of, of a way to milk more money out of yeah. this IP. Hey, my kids love that Cobra Kai show. Why aren't we making Karate Kid movies? This Let's franchise is hot, hot, hot. Yeah, you we know, need to fast track something. Get it up there. That's what it feels like. But uh, hey, it's but me, it. Mario. Hey, <laughs> hey! I'm doing the Chris Pratt voice. Um, <laughs> but uh, not, I not think even that bad. Let's fast track <laughs> this to a quick departure. Now I think we've worn out our welcome here on sure episode have. 164 of the Fanboy Podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not yet, please go to Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice and rate us highly. Give us them five stars. Give us a nice review. We'll be happy and sure to read it here on the air for all to hear and see. Uh, please like, rate, and subscribe to the show. Don't just fi find it every once in a while when I tweet out a link. Go subscribe to the show. And uh, if you want to follow us over on the Twitter, the handle is the fanboy show if you want to send us emails and questions and things for upcoming episodes you're going to want to go to the fanboy podcast at gmail.com uh still coming up probably even in the next week or two we're going to have that ask the fanboys episode where you <laughs> yeah we've been saying that for like a month we have to but then we that. disappeared for three weeks but we're going yeah. to do it it's coming there was a lot of for wedding you. stuff going on we yeah. I, I i couldn't do it and it was just crazy but we're back it's on track. all good. <laughs> on top of that, too, I'm going to have a special guest on one of these episodes, too, a fellow by the name of James Prescott. I've been on his podcast, and now he's going to come on ours. He wants to talk some Superman, his ideal Superman movie. He's a big Superman softy like me who likes to get philosophical about the meaning of the character and the importance and the significance of the Man of Steel in pop culture. And he seems to have some ideas for where he'd love to see the character go next. And he's very excited about that rumored cameo. So uh, I'm going to be setting up a time to chat with James and have that here on the show. Awesome. So lots of great things coming on the way. Brett, how can they find you on the Twitter? You can find me at SuperBrettCon. And you can find me at Superman on Film. So that is our time, ladies and gentlemen. Until next week, be kind. And stay fanboy. Adios. Bye-bye.